In a partnership with Faith UMC and St. Paul UMC, West received a $40,000 mission startup grant from the Western North Carolina Conference. Many families need food, and we're going to take it to them, literally. Our missional partners at Third Creek, Cloverleaf, and Mooresville Graded are in areas of homelessness and great need. These districts have some of the highest numbers of students enrolled in the free and reduced lunch program. The grant money will go toward funding a truck. Will you help stock it? Our entire Easter offering will go to purchase the food on our summer kickoff. Gifts are accepted at our services or online at headingwest.org. Three churches, one food truck, help feed a neighbor this summer. this is? It's a peep. Yes, it is. It is a peep. Um, how many of you are on Facebook, if you'll clap? I don't know if you're on, if you're a Facebook friend of mine or not, but I'm going to tell you a little story, and I will go ahead and preface the message today with, if I offend you at any point in the message, I'm an equal opportunity offender, and so I don't mean to offend anyone, it's just sort of what you see with me is what you get. There are no pretenses, so I like sort of tell the truth, and so... If I offend you, I apologize because I'm getting ready to say something that might be offensive. I'm a real person, and so I have a sense of humor, so albeit warped at times, and I will confess that, but I'm real. I'm human, and for me, Facebook is a way to communicate humor and just to have fun. I will promote West on Sunday mornings and, and sometimes periodically throughout the week, but I'm, I'm honestly not on Facebook a lot. So yesterday, I was having a first world problem that I'll tell you about in a little while, and so I was trying to spend some time waiting, and that's when I use Facebook, when I'm wasting time, basically. So I'm sitting in this place, and I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I see this picture and before I show you the picture, last Sunday in Wired, our small group leaders, and a huge shout out to you, I know many of you are in worship this morning, so thank you for what you do with the Wired kids. They were having a contest with their small groups to see which small group leader could have the most peeps in his or her mouth and still sing the chorus to the song, He Reigns. They were supposed to have peeps in their mouth and say, hallelujah, hallelujah, he reigns. I'll show you a picture of that. That's one of our amazing small group leaders. And you see all, or two of them actually, and you see all the yellow stuff coming out of their mouths. Those are peeps. And so our children's team 
coordinator, facilitator, Luann Gatlin, she too has a warped sense of humor and she'll own that. So she had them do this peep thing. And I saw this picture on Facebook yesterday and it made me think of her. Now, here's the offensive part. If a preacher is not supposed to find this funny, then I apologize. But it was a poop peep. So have you seen the poop peeps? I don't, I don't know if they're real or not, but um, I saw that and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I'm going to put this, bad idea, I'm going to put this on Facebook and I'm gonna tag Luann Gatlin because the Wired kids had the peeps and all this stuff, she loves peeps, blah, blah, blah. I just thought it'd be funny. Wrong. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. So last night I was putting the finishing touches on today's message and and studying and why I chose to go on Facebook last night, I have no idea. And so I go to look on my page and it says you have a notification. And it's from a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, and we just had a little difference of opinion. So we're still friends after the Facebook peep discussion. But uh, I really just intended it to be funny. And my friend, colleague wrote, if you think that Easter is only about the candy, you've really missed the point. Now, about $90,000 and countless hours of reading the gospels with all the you know, seminary and education you have to do to become a preacher, and that's not an exaggeration, actually. Um, I know that. I know that it's, you know, not about the marshmallow chick. But it was funny. But not to Luann Gatlin. So she sent me a text and she said, who is so-and-so? And And if you're looking on my Facebook page right now, I'll just let you know I've gone ahead and taken it down because... (laughs) It was uh, controversial because by this morning when I woke up, I responded to to the post. And by this morning when I woke up, another clergy person had posted on my page, do they not, I mean like for everyone to see, do they not understand that you're just human and you're just trying to have a joke, LOL. And I'm like, oh dear, I do not want to start a Facebook clergy war over peeps. I mean, it was not what I intended. But last night I get a message, a text message from Luann Gatlin asking me, who this person is. That's actually how I remembered or thought to look on Facebook. And I'm like, well, it's a former colleague, blah, blah, blah. And I said, why? And in the meantime, I went to Facebook, saw that he had posted that. And Luann's like, it was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. She was so incensed by it that not only did a text message suffice, she then called me. And she's like, can I post this as a reply? I'm like, no, 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 no. And I will say it was a clean message, but she, there's this cool meme of Jesus going, uh, relax. You know, he's like pointing and saying, relax. I'm like, no, 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 no. You cannot put anything at all on my Facebook page. No, stop. And so about 30 minutes later, after a brief rant from her, uh, I finally calmed her down enough to, to get over it. But she said something that stuck out to me. She said, you know, peeps are on sale at Target. We're not selling Jesus. And I thought, hmm. And she said, and this is actually really irrelevant. It's silly, it's funny, it's irrelevant. But the message is not. And you never make the message irrelevant. This morning, I want you to know that I recognize, I mean, for real, 
And a lot of preachers on Easter just tiptoe around this, but if you read theology, and if you read scholars, biblical scholars, and if you will engage in discussions with folks under the age of 30, they'll tell you, you know what, I struggle with this. So much so that many turn away from spirituality and religion altogether. And on Easter, I recognize that this is the one time that many of you will will give church a shot. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the relevance of the resurrection story. I do believe that it is relevant. I believe that it is life-changing and transforming. I believe that this story gives us hope in the darkest uh, darkest of times. I believe that this story takes the worst things that we can possibly imagine and makes them not the last things. So that's what I wanted us to look at this morning very briefly. You see, over the past six weeks in the season of Lent, those are the six weeks that lead up to Easter, we go through this time of self-examination and and self-renewal leading up to this day when we've, we've thought about who we are, we've explored who we are, and then we hopefully come to this place and we're like, oh, aha, there's something bigger than I am. These things that I, that I hold on to within myself are the things that get in the way of me experiencing the presence and the power, the life-changing power of love. You see, God is love. And so this morning, we see that love wins. We see that death is not the victor. It can't be. And don't take the discrepancies and all the gospel stories and let that be a tripping point for you. Actually, it's beautiful. I love that they're not all the same because you know what? You can get a group of people together and then go write something and make it exactly the same if you're very intentional about it. But the gospel stories, they're all different. They're all different, meaning that they all encountered this risen Jesus differently. And then you have the Apostle Paul who wrote in his letter to Corinth, first and foremost, I want to tell you that I have experienced the power of the crucified, dead, and resurrected Jesus Christ. So there's something more to the story. Paul says that Jesus appeared after the resurrection in a, in a sense, in a resurrected sense. And resurrection does not mean resuscitation. That Jesus appeared to the people over 500 different times. You know what? That's, that's beautiful. And that actually gives us hope. Yesterday morning, I told you that I uh, had a first world problem You see, I believe that I have like the shortest fingers of anyone I know, and they're also fat. Um, I have short, fat fingers. I own that now to you publicly. Let's not talk about it after worship. And uh, usually I take decent care of my nails. You know, I'll paint them, and I know men, you're like, oh my gosh, what's she talking about? I'm leaving, but just bear with me for just a second. This has a point. Normally I take care of my hands, my fingers, all that kind of stuff, but I haven't over the last month. And I wanted to, you know, look nice for Easter, not that you were focusing on my hands at all, but look at them. Okay, I got my nails done. It's a first world problem. I asked Lane if she would go with me, so we went to this nail salon yesterday out in Denver, and 
Apparently, it was an Easter-ready salon. We went later on in the day thinking that perhaps they would not be that busy. There was not an empty chair in the place. And so we had some time to wait, thus the Facebook peep that I got in trouble about. So we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, there were two ladies, and they began talking about church. And I have to confess, when I'm in public places and folks talk about church, my ears do perk up, especially if they're fussing about their pastor. Because you see, I do realize that uh, you probably would like to fuss about your pastor. And so... I was listening very intently, and you couldn't honestly help but hear because they were talking so loudly that everyone in the nail salon could hear. And so they began talking about what the staff and the leadership of the church wanted them to wear on Easter. Apparently, they are a non-traditional church, so they wear jeans and t-shirts, and they ask... They ask the leaders of their children's ministry to wear their children's ministry t-shirts, especially on Easter. The rationale behind this, as they were explaining to each other, is that there are so many first-time guests and new folks to the church on Easter. They wanted them to be able to very quickly recognize who the volunteers were in the story or in the store. No, sorry, I'm nervous. Sorry, sorry. They wanted the volunteers to know who. Sorry, I just have to pause. Okay. In the nail salon, in the church, see? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Holy cow. I tell you, every Sunday I get nervous, but this Easter always sends me right on over the edge. So please don't leave in the middle. This has a point. So in the church, they want the new people to know who the, who the new people are. Or the volunteers. Oh, my gosh. They want the volunteers to know. I give up. Oh. I'm glad you love me. If you're a first-time guest, I'm never this much of a bumbling idiot. Oh. Okay, my brain has to stop now. Okay, there are new people coming to the church. The volunteers in the church need to be readily available and visible for the new people. So the staff, ah, thank you. I'm just gonna say I'm in now and we can all go home. Um, they, want, they want them to know that they have a safe place for the children. But these ladies did not want to wear the t-shirts. And so I was eavesdropping, yes, to the story. And they were like, well, I want to wear a dress. And the other lady was like, well, I want to wear a dress too. And so they engaged in this lengthy conversation. And then I really did feel like I was eavesdropping. So I tried to busy myself in Facebook again. But then there, there was this quote that I heard that piqued my interest again too. One said, well, I don't care what they want. It's what I want. And I thought, well, okay, that's uncomfortable. And then the lady replied with, have I told you about so-and-so that's been coming to church, a little eight-year-old girl? She comes home with me sometimes. I've become sort of a mentor in her life, and I find that really cool. And the other lady said, oh, wow, that's really cool, etc." And then she said, And this is why I've told you this story. She goes, she asked me last Sunday if I would tell her about Jesus. She said, I said, well, yes, I would love to tell you about Jesus. And so I need you all here and online to understand that when I hear that young children ask adults to tell tell them about Jesus, that's like the coolest thing ever. What a privilege because he's such an amazing man. 
and resurrected man and God. And so she said, you know, I, I sat down with her and I said, so, do you know that the new Jerusalem is going to happen? And I didn't hear what the eight-year-old said to that, but that's not a phrase normally we talk about with children. And secondly, she said, and do you know what a bad sinner you are? Now, I told you Lane was in the nail salon with me on the other side. I think my head shot up, as did hers, because she knows what happens when I become passionate about the gospel. And she started giving me those dagger eyes. She's like, hush, just hush. Do not speak. Do not do anything. So she's shaking her head at me. I, I was so upset. And it was not even any of my business. This morning, for just a few more minutes, it gets to be my business. Because you see, there are people in this world that are curious about this person, Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't avoid it. You may not know all the theology and all the doctrine and all the Bible, the Bible verses and books in the Bible, but the name Jesus brings some recognition and when people want to know about Jesus, what a privilege. Because you see, there is a rest of the story. And because of Jesus, sin, things like sin, things that build walls between us and God, they don't have to exist. Jesus showed us, embodied for us, gave us God in human form. So that maybe, just maybe, we would begin to understand. And so you see, the first and foremost predominant message about Jesus is that he was love. That's why we sang the song, One Love, this morning. Jesus embodied love in all that he did. And so all these different resurrection stories... You see, they tell a different story of this love. And I believe, regardless of whether people believe in all this or not, they're curious about that. And, and what an awesome privilege and responsibility we have to share that love. Not just by what we say, but how we live. If you are going on a job interview now, there's a new focus out in corporate world and in religious world as well. It's called emotional intelligence. If you go for a job interview, you'll find out that not only do they look at your resume and study your skill set and all that kind of stuff, they, they ask questions to try to get a better view of who you are, what makes you tick, what makes you passionate, because they believe that that will help them understand who they should best hire for that position a young man was telling me recently that he went on a job interview and he was surprised to get this question at the end because it was totally irrelevant to try to get the job. And he said, the interviewer said, so if you could spend time with one historical figure, who would it be and why? And so this young man said, well, I wanna preface my answer with saying that I am not religious at all. I do not consider myself a spiritual person and I, I do not call myself a Christian. But one thing that I, one person that I would like to meet is Jesus 
of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. And the reason why is this. Even though I don't buy the whole story, he must have been a pretty special man to start a religion that lasts 2,000 plus years and changes the world. And I would want to meet him. So with that being said, I want you to hear the story, one of the stories of the resurrection this morning. It's taken from the Gospel of Matthew. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has been raised as he said. Now that's the story in Matthew. Now if you look in the gospel of Mark, There were three people at the tomb. Then they ran away and they went to tell Peter who came. And Peter ran up to the tomb and looked in the tomb and saw that the body of Jesus was not there. And and the gospel of Mark tells us that Peter runs away perplexed. Then the gospel of Luke has multiple women at the tomb, but different women that were, were there in Mark. Joanna goes in Luke and Salome goes in Mark. And then if you read the gospel of John, only one woman went to the tomb. The four gospels only have one person in common in every resurrection story, and that is Mary Magdalene. Paul doesn't even mention any of the women that went to the tomb. Shocker there. Uh, Spoiler alert, Paul was not real pro-women in his writings, but was in his theology. They're all different stories. But remember, they all experience the risen Jesus. Metaphorically, spiritually, however you think about it, there's something there. There's something that caused these people to have this divine encounter with something that was not dead, someone that was not dead, the spiritual presence and essence and very being of the divine. They all have different stories, and wherever you come to this story is okay, but, but just know there is a story. There really is, and it's so beautiful. It changes things. Jesus' whole message from beginning to end, especially in the way that he died, that was intentional, not accidental. His whole story was about people experiencing the kingdom of God. He wanted people not to form a new religion. That was never his point. He wanted them to understand that there is a new way of having life in the religion that you already are a part of. Nowhere in his writings that are recorded by the the gospel writers and all the other books of the New Testament do we find that Jesus says, you better abandon your religion. He said, follow me. He said, I am the way. I am truth and I am life. 
And if you will come to this life through me, then you will see God. And remember, what is God? Who is God? God is love. So if you will just follow me, if you'll just live like I live, if you'll do what I do, if you'll think the way that I teach you to think and act the way that I teach you to act, then you will be at one with God. Atonement at one with. That was the message of Jesus. It got him killed because he bucked the system. He hung out with the poor. He did not hang out with the rich. You find most of his teachings occurred in villages. Many of them were fishing villages. The rich and the powerful people lived in cities, not in fishing villages. Very few times do we see Jesus in a city, and if we do, it is Jerusalem. He was out among the people. He was not the kind of king that they wanted. They wanted a rich, powerful ruler, political king that would overthrow the Roman government. And that was not what Jesus was about. He was about showing them the kingdom of God, which was not a a man-made kingdom. It was God living among the people, love living among the people. So every time he kept pushing the envelope and every time he would have dinner, because you see, dinner was an elite thing and who you had dinner with was who you were associated with. And Jesus ate with sinners. He ate with tax collectors. He ate with prostitutes. If Jesus were here now living with us, he would be in places that would make our stomachs churn. He would be helping the refugees come in from other countries, whether we like it or not. Remember, I told you I'm an equal opportunity offender. He would be helping the refugees find a place to be. He would be helping the homeless find homes to live in. He would be helping the hungry find food to eat. And the people that everybody else turned aside, the drug addicts, the strippers, the prostitutes, he would be right there with them. And not just with them, he would have dinner with them. He would set the table because he was about love. They asked him, trying to see what he would say and and trick him against all the rules and all the laws that were in the Judaic scripture. So what's the greatest commandment? All right, Jesus, you're the man. Which one matters the most? And he said, I want you to love God with all your being, all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love God. And then... You need to love yourself first, but I want you to love others as you love yourself. Those were the great commandments. Love God and love one another as you love yourself as you've been created in the image and the essence of God. It was a simple message, but not necessarily simple to live. I want you to hear how Matthew closes the resurrection story. After the women encounter the, the guards and you know everybody was afraid and then they went to share the message with others. The 11 disciples went to Galilee after they heard the message. 
to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Now, when the 11 disciples saw Jesus, they worshiped him. And here's the cool part. I'd never seen this before until studying for today. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything, everything that I have commanded you. And remember, remember, I'm with you always, always, every moment of every day to the end of the age. That's the story of the resurrected Jesus. Everything I've commanded you. And what were the commandments? To love God and to love one another as we love who we've been created in the image of God. A clergy friend of mine was telling me a story about he and his daughter. If you are a preacher's kid, uh, life is sometimes just amazing and fun, but on like Easter Sunday, when you go to sunrise service at 6.45, like Daniel's son went this morning, um, it has a few drawbacks. You know, it's sort of like a fishbowl, and my clergy friend told me that, you know, his daughter, they grew up in uh, a large, he was the pastor of a large church, and so there were lots of people that knew her life. And so when she went away to college, as she got ready to go, she said, Dad, I need to tell you something. When I go to college, I'm not going to have anything to do with religion. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. I don't buy it. It doesn't make sense. It's inconsistent. The stories do not seem believable to me at all. So I'm sorry if this hurts you, but it's just not who I am. Now, the dad says this, you know, sort of ripped his heart out, and he was really sad because, number one, he was sad what he had facilitated and that he had not intervened before she got to this place in her life with becoming done with church. But he also respected her enough to have her own journey. And so he said, I'm going to respect where you are. Her college years go by. He said he never pushed when she came home for breaks and stuff. He didn't make her go. And, and then as she was getting ready to graduate, she was seeing a counselor so that she could discern her next path and in life and the next steps. And she was telling her dad, right before she graduated, she said, I need to tell you something. I was struggling the other day when I was talking to my counselor to try to understand why it is that I do the things that I do. It seems that I seek out the people at college and hang out with the people at college that nobody else wants to hang out with. I'm a daughter, I'm an advocate for the LGBTQ community. Lots of my friends are very active there. She had thought about uh, pledging a minority fraternity Many of her best friends belonged, I mean, sorority, a minority sorority. Many of her best friends belonged to that sorority. And she said that she was scorned by many of her religious friends because of the company that she kept. 
she, hang out, she hung out with the others and the others were the sinners. And so she was telling her dad and telling her counselor this and her counselor said, well, why is it that you think that's who you've been attracted to throughout your college career? And she pondered it and then she said, dad, it's because of how you raised me. Now, this is someone that four years ago said they were done with religion and Christianity. Then four years later, she looks back at all her life and she gets it. Because you see, when she was talking to her dad, her dad said he was so excited to hear her recognize that yes, she was an advocate for the least, the last, and the lost. That when she told him that, he got excited and he interrupted her and he said, you see, you are living, and he was gonna finish the sentence, but before he could, she interrupted and she said, like Jesus. And that's what Christianity is all about. I don't care what anybody tells you ever in your faith journey. Christianity and the resurrection story is about the fact that there is a love that transcends all of our understanding, all that we have. It permeates our very being. And if we will surrender and let go and live into that love as embodied through the crucified and resurrected Jesus, I believe that our lives will never be the same. And thanks be to God that they won't be. Let us pray. Almighty God, you give us so many different pictures into the resurrection story, and for that, we are grateful. I just ask that you continue to show us the resurrected Jesus, because you see, for the people that exist in our world today, we each may be the only Jesus they ever see. So move in us so that we now can go and be changed people and share your love with all. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Will you join me in thanking all the staff and all the volunteers and the worship team and the musicians that made this, this week today possible? Uh, give them a round of thank you. So many people work to make West what it is, and I just wanted to say thank you. Now, surveys show that 50% of people who experience the death of a spouse, 50% experience an after-death experience with them, 50%. Now, that's a secular group of studies. It has nothing to do with scripture. There is more, I promise there's more to the story. Death does not win. Life does. Life is given to us through the person of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. May you go and may you experience the fullness and the grace and the gift of that life. Amen.